we are hosting myself and three other coaches, trainers, facilitators, a live in-person workshop that runs for three days in Santa Ana. It is called Restoried, where we explore the foundations of transformation, of wholeness, of integration, of metabolizing our grief and our life so that we can create a new story on purpose for healing ourselves, each other, and our world. And what I'm most excited about is being with people that I've only ever met virtually in this shared space. But if you're interested, you can go to my website, legitu.com, which is in the show notes. And there is a, a button you can click and learn more about the restory training that was written by Brandon Cook of Naming the Real. So when was that again? December 8th, 9th and 10th in Santa Ana, which is in Southern California. Welcome to Grief Heals, the podcast that explores how grief heals. Join us as we consider how grief invites love within ourselves, our communities, our world, our histories, and how it is that grief heals. I'm Lisa Michelle Zega here with Eric Simpson. Today we are just exploring grief and talking about the sorrows of this world. And I just want to back up a second and say, what is this podcast about? And I think at its core, it's it's about love. It's a conversation about love and considering grief through the lens of love and how grief might be love. And I'm here with Eric Simpson and we are talking about the sorrows of this world and welcome 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 so we're talking about the sorrows of this world not because that's what this podcast is about but because that's the third gate of grief in francis weller's five gates of grief yeah five primary gates of grief Mm -hmm. so the idea that everything that we love we will lose and then the places that have not known love and then today, the third gate, the sorrows of this world, and then what what we needed and did not receive, and then the ancestors, grief that we're carrying from those who've come before us. Eric, just even saying that phrase, the sorrows of this world, what comes up for you? There are a lot of things that come up. The sorrows of this world is a pretty broad category. <laughs> yeah. And it also has maybe literary overtones, more religious overtones. Let's say literary, because when people are talking about the sorrows of this world, everyone kind of knows what that means, but we we can still kind of discuss it. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because when I'm thinking about it, one of the things that's coming up for me is the complexity of love 
and the nuance of love and the completeness of love and the fullness of love, like that it touches everything. And when we think, and grief is the same way, right? It, it's, it's really full, but I think it's been reduced to this idea of just sadness. I don't know. I'm just thinking about that and how that keeps us from the love or the attention. Last week, one of the things you talked about was attention in relationship to love. And I don't know, I'm, I'm really struck by the simplicity of, of and the complexity and the beauty and the fullness of love and needing love to enter the wounds of ourselves, each other, this world. I don't know, just this curiosity around how does reducing grief down to like this dark emotion keep us from engaging the sorrows with love. So I know you're like, everybody knows what it means. So on the one hand, it's so pervasive and so um, ignored, maybe at the same time. Yeah, I think that the sorrows of this world, everyone knows what it is because everyone has experienced it and everyone has experience in trying to evade it. There's a way in which we are more familiar with it, not only when we have a crisis in our own life, but when we see other people experiencing pain or when we hear about other people experiencing pain. What occurs to me through this one is that it sort of extends the grieving process not just to what happens to us in our personal lives but we can have grief for the sorrows of other people in the world as well what's arising in me is why this work matters to me and mm -hmm. it matters to me because all of us matter and i have this conviction you use the word evade and that when we evade our own sorrows try to get around them, get over them, that we end up treating ourselves like we are not human and we end up treating other humans like they're not human mm -hmm. and we end up treating living things like they are not living. Maybe that's another reason, Eric, that for me personally, like I didn't just make up, oh, grief is love grief has felt like the most loving aspect because as we've talked in you know previous episodes i i feel like grief connected with me to my own humanity to my own realness and then connected me to the realness and the humanity of others and has helped unfurl this tight grip on me of trying to be a certain way versus allowing my becoming like any other living being. I, I feel like in one sense, I moved away from this, but there's another way in which I'm like, okay, I know this is all connected. So for me, recognizing grief as love has helped me move in closer and not be so afraid of my humanity or of my wounds or of my imperfections or my stumblings. Like I have never once cursed a tree for being smaller than another tree or like it's it's just, or, oh, you're not where you're supposed to be. I've never said that to a flower. And yet I've looked in the mirror and been like, you're not where you're supposed to be in this world. 
it's like, wait, according to who? Like, what is this? And I think all these things have kept me from really engaging the sorrows of my world, my little local world with love. You mentioned experiencing grief and not evading it because of fear. And I think that was a touch point of what we're talking about is that people want to avoid grieving after a loss because of fear. Not only that, they want to avoid grieving for the sorrows of the world. I mean, there there's a passage in the New Testament where, you know, you don't have to be religious. I'm, this is just a, a point that I'm making from the New Testament. There's a passage where Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. And the thing about mourning is mourning isn't exactly like grief. Mourning is a communal expression of grief, usually through a ritual act. Yeah. When we become aware of the sorrows of the world, whether they intrude upon our lives personally or we just hear about them. Like I can tell you just this morning, I read two different articles that were painful. And I thought, you know, I should embrace this as a moment to grieve for this person and their loss right here now. And, and we can, and that is, that connects us to each other as well, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. Like, that is the thing is, as we bear one another's burdens, like everyone is strengthened in that and and connected. I'm so moved just by what you were talking about and the idea of taking a moment right here, right now to feel into this other human sorrow, Mm -hmm. right? And last week you said, attention is the simplest definition of love and by pausing and giving attention to that person or to to that community i don't know the context of your read but you are sending love and it matters love always matters love always connects i want to come back to where you said blessed are those who mourn also the distinction you made between mourning and grieving. There are so many threads I'm wanting to pull here, but I just want to mention in brief the communal aspect. The more we've moved away from community, the more we've moved away from ritual, how that has disconnected us and left us fragmented both within ourselves and within our communities, right? But the one thing that I've reached out to you and you, you and I've talked about, you know, separate from the podcast is so you and I both have history in evangelicalism. And I know you've got a longer history in orthodoxy, even than you do in evangelicalism. But going back to that earlier season of your religious history or your church history. I've been contemplating is the reason that I often hear the word hypocrite associated with Christian, which I just think, you know, instinctively hypocrite, I think of fake. If Jesus is the man of sorrows, and yet we are trying to fit in some sort of box, moving away and being conditioned away from our humanity trying to be what we're supposed to be in evangelicalism 
or do what we're supposed to do to quote unquote be Christian uh, and moving away from this one that that Christianity centers around is is there a connection between the hypocrisy that people experience in the church and the distance from grief and then wondering about God and God grieving. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> I think there are three things you're talking about. You're, you're asking about hypocrisy and people living in a grief denying culture, which a lot of evangelicalism, a lot of other spiritual traditions or communions also have this problem because it's a, it's a societal thing. We live in an industrialized society where we are set up to be consumers and our humanity is sort of reduced to consumption and our choice of not what we pay attention to necessarily, but that's part of it, but also what we consume. And that's how, that's how we define ourselves more or less on an unconscious level. I'm sure nobody's going to go out and say, you know, proudly, I am a consumer and that's it. So if we're just consumers, we need to be satisfied by what we consume. And so the whole gist of the entire movement of capitalist society, not saying capitalism is good or bad in itself, but in this particular situation, the gist is a movement towards the denial of things that don't make us satisfied or happy. And grief would be something that we want to deny. And so in that pursuit of happiness, you know, a lot of people don't find happiness in the things they consume. And so they try to self-soothe, as we mentioned before, and, you know, possibly do things that they say are immoral. That's where the hypocrisy comes in. I'm so glad you brought us here because I feel like you led us right to the sorrows of the world. Mm -hmm. In other words, you even brought up that evangelicalism is tucked into a larger conversation that other spiritual communities are also tucked into. Mm -hmm. And this, this sense of, I am a consumer being the underpinning of this message and that what we're consuming is not satisfying. And to fit into that conversation, grief must be denied, rejected, evaded, and maybe, Eric, I feel like I don't even remember which one was the red pill, which one was the blue pill in the matrix, but there was one that said, hey, here's something, this pill unplugs you from the program. Mm -hmm. And yet far more satisfying, right? And that is what grief has done for me, like engaging grief that I could not deny within myself has brought a realness, a trueness, a, my own connection to humanity, and not just my humanity, humanity, and not just human, but living, being, and the sorrow of the world that I felt like you connected me, at least my heart to, is the idea of having a culture of consumerism where the human is reduced. And, and I just, like, I just want to bring love to all of us. Right. And if, if the loving thing to do is to grieve at the sorrows of the world, I, I think I've thought about certain situations that I would not want to happen. That, you know, the first gate tells us are going to happen. 
and how I would react to them. And I think to myself, I wouldn't be able to survive if something like that happened. And if I gave myself over to the grief, I'd get lost in it, never come out of it. But what happens is, I think, if we don't grieve, then it's going to keep knocking at the door and we'll never get out of that. It will keep turning up in our lives and we'll never get out of that. If we do grieve, it's an entrance, like you were saying, into something else altogether. And thus, right, the gates of grief. One of the things that uh, is gripping my heart right now is if we are identifying as mere consumers, I'm thinking about sex trafficking, but that is that is only one example mm-hmm. where we humans become what is consumed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm even thinking about when people are just treated like a cog in a machine in an industrialized society and the worker is themselves consumed. When we're thinking about grieving and moving into with love and attention. Right now I'm reading a book called Where Did You Park Your Spaceship by Rob Bell. And in it, he's essentially talking about a world that is, well, it's aliens, but where they're embracing living, their living beingness and at least that's how I'm perceiving it right now. And grieving does that. It is, it is loving. It is, it is living and, and it doesn't necessarily fit into, like we are not boxed into then what industrialism does to the human. We, we recognize we are more than that. Someone asked me yesterday at a party, what is your podcast about? And I was like, it's about love. (laughs) It's it's genuinely about love. It's about connection. It's about attention. Like, why does it matter? Because we matter. Yeah. Well, and, you know, to your point, I think one of the things a lot of people grieve that is one of the sorrows of the world and the way that we consume ourselves by not grieving and by continuing on the path of consumption for the sake of consumption, thinking that it's going to satisfy and growth for the sake of growth. There's a psychologist named James Hillman, who was a disciple of Carl Jung, who talked about growth for the sake of growth is not a virtue in itself. It's, it's like cancer. That's what cancer does. One of the sorrows of the world that is very grievous and that the way the self-consumption process happens is what has happened in climate change and the way that it's impacted our planet itself so that according to 98.9% of the scientific community, this is a man-made impact that's based on our consumeristic, radically consumeristic culture. And it is killing off life forms. It's the root cause of wildfires on the West Coast. My house burned down. That was a loss through cause of things like COVID, because animals are pushed out of their natural territories into civilization because of changes in climate. Now I'm just listing some of the sorrows of the world. Yeah. We see that self-consumption, the, the consumption of the planet, our own habitat, because in our pursuit of finding that satisfying thing that's beyond our reach, because we're trying to avoid being afraid 
we're trying to avoid grief, we end up bringing about our own destruction. I think um, that's exactly it. Like you, you actually said this earlier, you said, Hey, when I consider some of the losses I could have, I feel like the grief would come in and consume me if I gave myself to it. Right. Right. And actually grief comes in to nourish and to love and to connect us. It's the exact opposite. And, and yet what we are doing to avoid grief, we consume ourselves and we consume each other. So I think it's just an important conversation to be having Mm -hmm. because we are together awakening. And I, I don't just mean together, you and I, but together, there is definitely an awakening, a consciousness happening around love. And I believe that grief is an entrance, an entrance to living alive, right? And, and connects us all one to another, to our planet, to, to the world that we would want to create. And I guess that's a good point to say of we're having a conversation. We are not here offering like medical advice or giving therapy or any of those types of things. It's a conversation around grief and a consideration an exploration of how grief heals, of how grief is love, just a conversation. You know, you asked a question about does God grieve and also What's interesting about that is in many of our uh, churches and spiritual traditions, it's the same as what occurs in cultures I've already mentioned, and there's sort of a grief denying attribute. A lot of the spiritual communions in our culture have just been, they've been captured by the spirit of capitalism and the spirit of our age and consumerism. And even though there are still things of value to be found in them, one of the things that is not of value that could change is this whole approach and understanding of how grief is a doorway into love and into understanding and into sort of being alive. Yeah. You don't die, you know, with whatever it was that you lost. Grief is the way back to being alive again and thriving. And a connection to ourselves in our loss and for for when it's like a loved one that we lost, I have found and a lot of the people I've worked with have found a deepening of connection to those that have passed. I would love to have a conversation next week to pause on our gates of grief and have a conversation more fully around the grief of the divine. All right, thank you. Thank you to those who are listening, wherever you find yourself. Those that are listening are part of the conversation. So thank you for being part of the conversation around grief and love and living and living alive. You've been listening to Grief Heals with Lisa Michelle Zega. The podcast is produced by me, Eric Simpson, in association with Jump Up and Down Productions. Music by Kendalian, Drunken Nights to Sunday Mornings, and Stefan Carlin, A Calming Ocean, A Common Notion. If you would like more information about the work Lisa does, 
point your browsers to legityou.com. That's L-E-G-I-T-Y-O-U. Lisa can also be reached at lisamichelle at legityou.com. This has been a Jump Up and Down production.